Welcome to Access Nation. This podcast discusses current events, featured products, and entertainment in the access industry. Welcome, Access Nation. You know, the last podcast we did was April 26th. That was spring, several months ago. And when we did that podcast, I was very involved in the anti-dumping, countervailing JLG Terex versus China. Well, we go through all these months, and we're starting to get some some actually idea of how this is going to work. So that's going to be the focus of today's podcast, which I'm going to get into later. Um, We're not going to talk about many products today. I'm going to wait and hear back from the ARA show, which is going on right now, of who showed up with what products. And then um, I think there's probably a segment coming that will feature the rotating telehandlers. Uh, That market seems to be emerging with rental folks in the access world. So I kind of want to list the players, and they're growing, and kind of who's got what and where and etc. So um, current events, really not a lot to talk about other than the ARA show. Um, we've, you know, we're fighting through COVID. Everything I read in any magazine is record rental revenue. And if you talk to anybody, rental companies are running at utilization rates they've never seen. And with that, there's a shortage of new machines uh, for people to buy which it's creating like the perfect storm to raise rental rates. Now, I don't have a lot of feedback. There's a little bit of bump in rate going, but I can't say anything concrete that I'd say that it's there. However, with utilization, I'd say it's probably going to be a good year uh, for everybody in the rental industry, which is exciting, and that's good, especially from you know the hiccup we had from last year's COVID and the election. It seemed like there was still a lot of uncertainties around the business that made people cautious. Well, anybody that stepped on the gas uh, during that time is reaping the reward now, which is good for them. Uh, they called a shot that maybe some didn't see. But today's uh, podcast is going to try to break down something that nobody's covered, and that's what the U.S. Uh, United States International Trade Commission has come out with in the JLG tariffs versus China. So hold tight. I'm going to break down the numbers, and I'm by no means a legal expert. I'm reading this just like a normal common Joe, and I'm going to try to apply some common sense and what it might mean to you. Hold tight. The content that I'm going to talk about, I got right from the website with the United States International Trade Commission. And there's several tabs. It takes you a little while to navigate it and get into it. But once you do, it's fairly easy to read and, and learn about. But there's there's no real detail. So it's just kind of numbers and this. Well, one of the tabs would be a, like an event calendar. And the petition was filed in February 26th. And then it goes on to March 18th. Uh, there was uh, kind of the initiation date. Preliminary stuff came out on, on April 12th. That was, I think that was more of the hearing that we heard when it started that gave, you know, JLG and Terex went on and, and pitched their case why there's, you know, this, the government needs to be involved in the, in the countervailing and, and the anti dumping. The China manufacturers came on, which, it was strange because not everybody was there. There was different people versus the hearing that took place last week, you know, October. And what happened, you know, there's more people 
and different people on each hearing from China. So that was a little confusing to me that they didn't have a really consistent tactic that they went to go pitch their pitch their deal. So, but I still try to navigate through it and understand it, and it's difficult. And so, this you'll find on the website that they have these dates, and and probably the most important thing is there'll be a final determination. I don't trust any of these dates. It doesn't seem like it's ever been accurate. When they first did this, I thought they'd have an announcement like 30, 45 days. Well, it went on all summer. But they're saying on here the final determination will be done uh, March of 2022. But I also hear that it could be done sooner than that as far as what's final. And when I say what's final, let's just talk. start with countervailing. Countervailing in this is financing from the Chinese government or a subsidy from the Chinese government. And there's a penalty to be faced to manufacturers that do that. Right now, you're looking at anywhere from 18%, it's LGMG, uh, Ding Li, 12%, and then non-responsive other companies range from 448% to 13%. Those are fairly big numbers. Uh, And keep in mind, that is just one part of the countervailing. And when I say LGMG, that's uh, Lingong Group, and that would be their product. Ding Li, they've got several people that they, I think they private label for Mech is the big one. And the big product of that would be the 1330 that has the it has the tray in it for the anti-leak um, system that they have in there where you put the diaper in the tray. And that was talked about a lot as far as Mech going on and presenting that their innovative manufacturing in China is a resource for them to help them build this. And I heard all about that last week in the hearing that they had. JLG came back later and said, no, we're innovative too. And JLG makes the all-electric scissor. That's innovation, et cetera. I mean, it was very interesting. If you like lifts, I don't know if you could ever find this hearing and recording. And keep in mind, it started at like 8 a.m. And it was done after 5, so it's all day long. And many players on it as far as manufacturers from China and, and JLG. So... That was interesting to listen to. Um, the all other responses, I think when I say 448% and 13%, that's going to be several different companies. And, it, you know, if you're at the ARA show or if you pick up a magazine and see the ads, you're talking Cineboom, Zoom Lion. I'm not sure. I guess they did not respond, so they fall in the all other category. And those kind of percentages just in countervailing. That's a real, I mean, supposedly brings them to a level playing field with the with the OEMs in the United States. Uh, and there's there's three of them. And it would be Terex, it would be, which is Genie, and it would be JLG, and there's Snorkel. Snorkel had nothing to do with this. They weren't even present. I didn't see a comment from them. In fact, in the hearing, they asked, the government asked how many people manufacture aerial lifts or, or AWPs in the U.S., and they had to come back and say, well, there's actually three. And, and Snorkel kind of one of the forgotten ones in, so, in some of this, but they are a U.S. manufacturer of aerial lifts. And they also carry full line. And when I say manufacturer, they ask who the full line. Of course, we have hybrid. We have several others in North America that do make, but they don't have the full line of scissors, booms, telehandlers. And that's what they were asking when they did that. So in the preliminary part of the dumping, which is, you know, anti-dumping would be selling machines below market value. So China is taking advantage of their price to penetrate the market or basically buying market share. 
And so the government says there's going to be a penalty for that. Now, those percentages came out, and you have LGMG at 275%, 274.86, it says. Uh, Ding Li at 7%. And then all other companies, it's like a separate rate company is 47%, and a China-wide entry is 275%, same as LGMG. That's a serious, that's a serious, serious number to say that 274% of whatever you sell the machine at will go in a tariff back to the U.S. government for dumping or for selling machines below market value. And what it does is it, it protects the U.S. manufacturers. And if this holds up, and keep in mind, this is not filed, it's preliminary. How, how much will it sway? I don't know. Looking at past preliminary ones in other industries, it didn't vary that far. So I'd say there's a good chance that these are going. Some of these bigger percentages are going to stick. Now, when you look at how much they've sold, so the U.S. government had to look and say, okay. I mean, I'm just looking at this, but it's posted on their website. In 2019, it shows 127.8 million sold in the U.S. from China. If you look at 2020, it's 195 million. So there's a pretty big jump as far as percentage-wise, but 195 million, if you go look at the financials of JLG or Genie, when they post their publicly traded, Oshkosh owns JLG and Terex owns Genie, you can see that that doesn't even scratch the surface with them. And we're not even talking about Skyjack. However, I must note, Skyjack participated in the defense of this. I guess there's some chassis or sub-assemblies that, that they would get from China. So they're going to have to ante up and pay some as far as a sub-assembly that comes in from China. Those are going to get penalties and tariffs also. So, I mean, it's a bigger deal when you start looking at the total picture of access equipment. I, I don't understand why nobody is reporting on this. And here I am with the podcast, but been a rep. I mean, it's not like I have any legal background or expertise, but I'm telling you, Hang on, I'm going to give you my thoughts. The hearing was interesting, and that's what I want to kind of give you a play-by-play of some notes that I had from listening. Of course, you had, you know, JLG and Terex and their legal team on there, and it was like a Zoom call. So everybody had a little box, you could see them, and the legal teams of each. And so... The government would give them, or the U.S. Trade Commission would give them these questions, and then they would respond. And it was interesting to to think the questions. And one thing that I did notice was, you know, you can imagine uh, if you're not in the access industry and then you're looking at it, it's kind of unorthodox because our primary chain of distribution is rental. There is no dealer base. You know, there, there's just, it's not like some of the traditional manufacturing that you would see, uh, like an automaker or, you know, a lot of the dirt equipment and other things. So it's a different deal. And I could tell by the questions they were having to repeat, like, let me ask this in a different way because I don't understand. And everybody did a good job from, you know, the Genie JLG groups to try to, you know, give them the best information they could. And then, you know, they broke, you had a break, and it was well after lunch. And then here comes um, the folks from China and their legal team. And Mech was on there, and 
LGMG and Craig Paler, who was the president for years at or like four years, but he'd spent most of his career at JLG and and done you know a lot of big things there. I mean, it was a big growth period for JLG. So it was it was it's it's kind of neat to watch when you see how all this went down. Now, Mac was. I mean, when I look at what's sold in North America, okay, and I think I just I listed the numbers like two hundred seventy million. Uh, I'm sorry, 195 million in 2020 from China into the U.S. So I'm trying to think who that would be because LGMG is fairly new. I think they sold some things, probably more so out of default this year. That's just my opinion because delivery and demand were very high coming out of COVID, and you know some constraints with uh, componentry for all manufacturers and anything we build. So I think I think they won some deals like that and and but at the same time it's not I don't think they did much. So but I do know and if you've listened to a podcast we did I don't know probably shit 2 years ago about micro 13s. Um the 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 Mac machine the 1330 that machine is been around. And I know that national accounts buy a lot of people buy these Mac machines and they are made by Ding Lee I guess and they come in uh, imported and then Mac does their thing to them, whatever that is, and and then that's how you get the the Mac thirteen thirty. So, in trying to understand the hundred ninety five million, I think that Mac has a pretty big chunk of that. Ding Lee also, I think, did some work with other manufacturers, but I think that's all expired since all this started. And I think it is actually in the thirteen foot category. It's kind of their their you know their thing. And when you talk about manufacturing in the United States. It's different today. We don't have a lot of it. We've given, I mean, steel, even steel mills and things like that, they aren't here like they used to be. And so the manufacturing in base in China is very strong. As an example, Sani, who Sani was on the call because telehandlers are identified in this. So it's aerial equipment, but there's also, I guess they made the case that you can put a platform on a telehandler so it should qualify too. And the U.S. government says, okay. And so Sony, who makes a telehandler, now granted their bigger line is the dirt stuff, and they're like top five in the whole world at making construction equipment. You know, they're labeled in this, but they also have their own steel mill to get their steel. So when you talk about manufacturing in the U.S., and it goes back years ago, like the just-in-time delivery, so Rather than make a cylinder, it's easier to buy it from someone who makes cylinders and then you can bolt the machine together. I think there's a lot of bought in componentry with the way we manufacture in the U.S. Well, you go over to China, I think they do it all starting with a piece of steel and turn it into a machine, aside from the other componentry that comes over in China. Now, if, if you think about the, the whole thing with China, and now we're here talking about our industry, which is access equipment, the U.S. manufacturers stand up and say, whoa, this ain't fair. You know, they're, they're financed by the Chinese government. And then they're also coming in with a cheaper cost basis, and they're selling it below our cost. And that's the dumping side of it. But part of me says, you know, is the United States a little too late? Like, shouldn't we have been doing this 20 years ago? But good for the OEMs in the U.S. that stands up and says, hey, we care about it. I mean, there's a lot of talk on this call that's how many people you employ, how many people it affects, how many factories they have now, how many it could potentially affect them by if they lose X amount of business. 
And Mac was, you know, a part of that because they're saying, hey, like, wait a minute, if you hit us with these tariffs and, and some of these penalties, it's going to affect our business to the point of maybe we would have to shrink, our company would shrink because we'll miss some orders. And I thought about that 13-foot scissor category. And I'm, I'm looking, and I know hybrid makes a small compact scissor like that. And there's several others, but I think there's only one that, that makes it in the U.S., and that's JLG. And they just had it, you know, they just brought it to market a couple years ago. And I think they had it at ARA, um, the last ARA show, which was in, I think it was in Florida. I'm not, Yeah, it was in Florida. No, yes, it was in Florida, uh, the last one we had, because we didn't have one with COVID, and now we have it going on right now in Vegas. So back then, JLG unveiled their 13-footer. But there are several people that make this, but most of them are from China. And so it's pretty complex. I think it was, if you're playing chess or a game of high stakes, anything, I think big advantage, Genie JLG. Now, what does this mean to you going forward as a rental company who has excess equipment? Maybe maybe you don't really care because you're not going to buy China products. You know, you always bought JLG, Genie, Tarek, Skyjack. You know, what's it all mean? Or what if you did buy? I'm going to kind of give you that here in the last segment. Hold tight. Something I'm going to jump back into so everybody understands is the percentages. And because LGMG was very strong in representation as far as they were on both calls, countervailing penalty looks like it's 18% right now. Keep in mind, I don't believe any of this is final. But I don't know if you're going to get a huge swing in what it is. So 18% in the countervailing and then 274% on the dumping. Now you can run the math, simple math on just simple 10,000, say. That's a lot of money. And I think that basically, if you've bought in machines, let's just say any of them. And let me, why I got the numbers, let me just say Ding Lee. Which, when I say Ding Lee, keep in mind, it's a private label thing with Mech is how they hit the radar with this. I think they also own shares in other companies that are a part of this. Um, but I'm really not even going to go there because there was nothing set. They weren't there. There was other companies that weren't there. But I think Ding Lee, as a manufacturer in China, I think they have uh, relationships with other people that are here in the U.S., but Ding Li is definitely in relationship with Mac as far as that 1330 and maybe some other machines that I'm not sure of. But I do know that's a big part of this, and Mech was on there uh, to represent them. But their countervailing looks like 12%, and then their dumping looks like 7%. Well, compared to LGMG at 18% and 24%, there's a pretty big swing. So, But then again, I think what LGMG sold and what Ding Li has sold is drastically different. So if you look at total amount of money so far, I think that it's going to be, I don't know, if, you know, I won't say equal because there's nothing equal about those percentages. But let's talk about Cinnaboom, Zoom Lion. Um, there's other manufacturers. Cinnaboom was on the first call, but then they weren't on the second one. I don't understand that. They hired the guy from Caterpillar, I think, and and they were going to, you know, he was he was there on the, the, the call in in last April. In the preliminary part, but he wasn't on the last, you know, nobody was there. So I think they're going to fall more into this all others category, which at a dumping rate is, um, it's huge, 274%, same thing that LGMG has. And then I think some sub assemblies at 47. 
interesting, Skyjack was in there. So Skyjack's on the call because of the componentry they get. I think it's their chassis. And I think on the call, they said it, it made up like X percent, like a real small percentage of the machine costs. But it's still something they're going to have to pay. You know, do, does the manufacturer absorb that cost or do they pass it on? And in today's market, what's that mean to you as a rental company? And then, you know, this week is ARA. When You know, we're recording this right now that it's day two of the ARA show, day three. And <clears throat> these all these manufacturers to China is there. So I think about it and I go, they're not sure of what's going to happen. But I'm, I'm reading through this. I'm going, I'm pretty sure this is happening. You know, and what it means to you, if you go buy some of those machines, are you going to have to, are you going to get the machine when you said they were going to get it? And are you going to get it at the same price? I don't know. Then if you've bought machines in the past, there is no penalty. But if I can't afford to do business in the United States, am I going to pay to have people here to support the products I've already sold? And is there enough? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty with this. I think that's probably why nobody's reporting because it is fairly confusing of what's going to happen. But it's clear to me that there is going to be penalties. And when this first launched, and I was all over this in the podcast in April, it was the last one I recorded. And I said, I'm going to wait this out. I told Christy, let's wait this out. I want to see what it all means. And now we're getting some real vision of it. And it's it basically strengthens the foothold of U.S. manufacturers. And that is uh, Genie and Terex and JLG. And, of course, Snorkel didn't play in this thing. But obviously, they're protected, too. And I'm going to watch it as it goes final, and I'll give you the update. Hopefully, there's someone a lot smarter than me that puts something out that makes it simple for everybody to understand because, you know, clear as mud. Yeah, well, I'm trying my best so everybody understands when you go buy machines and they come from China, there's a good chance, you you know, I'm not so sure what's going to happen or what your price would be after all this stuff goes into place. It, it might not matter on the deal you do today. But from a support side and for people to say they're here and develop their distribution network and their support side of it, it could affect you. And so that's why it's somewhat concerning that I would say, hey, I want to talk about it and at least bring it to light and start conversation and what it all means because nobody's done it so far. OK, hold tight. My final thoughts. I hope this was I hope this was understandable and it makes sense to you. Going to close this up and I'm going to go purely with my opinion with this and part of the my opinion goes back to when I started in the business in 1996 with snorkel and I'll never forget my first ARA show in New Orleans if you were a JLG dealer you were a JLG dealer if you were a snorkel dealer you're a snorkel dealer maybe sometimes you could have both if you were in two different markets but they didn't like that and now today, with the emergence of national rental companies and they bought all the dealer network out, we don't have it. It was stated on this call, 90% market share between Genie, JLG, and Skyjack. And if you look at the numbers, and they're publicly traded, you can you can see what they put up. I don't necessarily think Skyjack, I haven't really dove into that, but I know I, I always look at uh, Genie and Terex and Oshkosh, JLG. They carry a pretty big stick in the United States, and it's a massive business. So with that becomes an obligation. As the bigger national rental companies keep getting bigger, but there always seems to be a strong network of independent folks. Something as simple as an ARA show 
that comes with responsibility, and it's there this week. I think that the people that are there, they like to see the products. They might not necessarily buy, but it's as much as a social networking thing as it is, hey, I'm going to go make my orders for the year. However, being at the end of the year, I think people have had a good year. There's probably some deals happening, and I know there's some deals happening. And so that's an exciting thing. And so, but it'd be real easy to lose track of that. I think we have and when you don't. So if you eliminate the trade show floor with access equipment, minus, I mean, I hear there's a lot of China there, and there was you know, a couple of years ago in Florida. And so I'd like to see the, you know, the North American manufacturers that if you're fighting for the market share, et cetera, this comes with obligations. And, you know, I don't think we'll ever go back to protected distribution. But I think it would be a cool conversation to have. I know that there's different segments and different product segments. When you talk about telehandlers, low-level access scissors, there could be things to help this marketplace, especially the dominance and this, you know, the size of the stick that these OEMs swing. And it's only healthy, and everybody can share in the love. At the same time, will China go away? I don't, no way. The, the manufacturers, if you look how big Sony is, you look at how big some of these powerhouse manufacturers are from China, they aren't going away. How do they enter the U.S. market? I don't think we've heard the end of it, but I do think this was a thing for just say the United States that says, hey, we're sticking up for our workers, our manufacturers, and we're not going to let somebody come in and push us around and beat us because they have an advantage with price or because they're financed by a foreign government. And so I think it's cool. And I think that probably should have happened years and years ago uh, with a lot of manufacturing things. If you notice, uh, I don't don't think everybody's pretty aware that if you watch the national news, China has a big presence in the United States. So this was a victory for American manufacturers, and when you look at these, and when the final, you know, hat is dropped, which was coming soon, I think you'll see that Genie and JLG protected their market share and their jobs here in the United States. So you can look at that however you want, but at the same time, I think uh, for the United States, I think this is kind of something we should have done a long time ago. Hey, I hope uh, I hope that somebody else reports on this because I know I didn't do a great job. But I, I gave you an idea that hopefully gives you enough that you will ask the questions and hopefully uh, of one of the many trade magazines, somebody will start doing some real interviews and we'll, we'll know exactly what this means as we're getting close to the final. Hey, as always, thanks uh, thanks for listening to Access Nation. Try not to be as absent uh, quite as long. I know that uh, we're in the fall and I love going to the farm and being in the outdoors, but uh there's a lot of cool things. Like I say, rotating telehandlers and um, the RER Top 100. And there's some acquisitions that I have to talk about that uh, are some pretty strategic plays. Uh, I'm talking about United Rentals buying Acme or buying the assets of Acme. Okay, Access Nation. Hey, thanks for supporting us. Please follow us on Twitter at Nation Access and LinkedIn. This podcast is purely based off of opinion and welcomes your feedback. This is not a substitute for an ANSI, CSA, or ISO compliant training by a qualified professional. Forward.